Now, the worship service of Avon United Methodist Church, located at 130 Genesee Street in Avon, New York. Pastor Keith Griswold. Welcome to worship with the Avon United Methodist Church. Good morning. morning. I want to welcome you all to worship. And before I stand and give any announcements or ask you for announcements, I'm going to pick on Linda. Uh, Good morning. This morning, I'm pleased to introduce to you Grace Wang, who is our substitute organist for the next three weeks. I think you're going to love hearing her beautiful music, and her husband, David, is here as well. So let's give them a warm welcome. On the topic of organists, our new hire, Alan Walk, will be starting on Sunday, March 3rd. Okay, so thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. Anyone else with announcements that we need to highlight? We're going to welcome everyone who does join us online and those who are on the radio. And I would ask all of you to please have an attitude of prayer as we've come before God this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Please stand for our call to worship and the hymn. This morning's call to worship is taken from Psalm 97. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. His lightning flashes out across the world. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Our hymn is O Spirit of the Living God.
from the Gospel of Mark. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. was faced with a situation her little boy was getting to that age you know that age where they start to ask the questions that parents dread and so one day this little boy comes up to mom and he says marriage makes you have babies doesn't it mom 
And the mom reluctantly answers, well, not exactly. Just because you're married does not mean you're going to have a baby. Well, the boy paused for a few minutes to consider that answer. And then he went on to a deeper question. Then how do you have babies? And his mother, now wishing to change the subject, replied, well, it's a kind of a hard thing to explain. And the boy looked her deep in the eyes, moved in closer, and said, Mom, you don't really know how to explain it, do you? (laughs) Today in the church year falls one of those events that appears to be hard to explain. Because we are faced with not really knowing how it works. In this case, it is the transfiguration. We read about this event in Jesus' life, and we ask, what does this mean? How am I supposed to understand it? Now, one of the things about the Bible that makes it difficult is that sometimes it is quite literal in its meaning, and at other times it is metaphorical. And then to really confuse us, sometimes it can be using both techniques at the same time. One of those times is in an Old Testament book, the book of the prophet Daniel. And in chapter 7 there, we read about a vision that he had one night. In this vision, he sees four mythical beasts coming up out of the sea. The beasts and the sea are metaphors. The sea represents the chaotic, evil world. And the beasts are different political kingdoms that at one point had dominated the Middle East. But the number of four is literal. And most Bible scholars, when they read this vision, can see within those four beasts specific kingdoms. Babylon, Persia, Alexander the Great's empire, and then the Seleucids who took over part of Alexander's empire after he died. Other Bible scholars think the fourth beast is referencing the Roman Empire. But here we are, four real powerful kingdoms that succeeded each other in the Middle East, but depicted as metaphorical, strange-looking beasts. It's like that when people read about the transfiguration of Jesus. They look at this and they ask, is this an actual, literal event? Or is Mark trying to tell his readers about the importance of Jesus and how he was the fulfillment of the law and the prophet? Just consider the passage that Rachel read for us. I mean, Jesus invites Peter, James, and John, the inner core of the 12 disciples, And he takes them with him up to a mountain. Here's a little something else to keep in mind and to remember. In the Old Testament, mountaintops was the place usually where God would reveal himself in special ways. Moses receives the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai. Elijah the prophet confronts and defeats the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel revealing that the Lord God is the one true God. And then a little later on, on the top of Mount Horeb, Elijah has an encounter with God. But he doesn't encounter God in the earthquake. 
he encounters God in the still, small voice. So when Jesus says they're going up to a mountaintop, Mark's readers would know that that is a place of special divine revelation. And that is what happened. While they're up there, suddenly two people appear out of thin air, Moses and Elijah. And Mark says, the disciples are frightened. Yeah, no joke. I mean, the rabbi that you've been following for two years starts to glow bright white. And then two of the most important people in all of your nation's history and religion show up and start to talk to him. Of course you are going to be terrified. Then just as soon as they are there, they are gone. But not before a voice from a cloud says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Stop and consider that statement right there. For the readers of Mark's gospel, and for us here, you all remember a few weeks ago when we looked at Mark chapter 1. That's part of the opening lines of the gospel of Mark. When Jesus was being baptized, we're told, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened. A voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That alone should start to make us realize that there is something about Jesus that connects him to God the Father. Jesus' Abba, his daddy, has now spoken twice, saying that Jesus of Nazareth is God's son and that he is loved. But there's even more mystery here, more of a connection to what we read and find in the Old Testament. On that Mount of Transfiguration, they are enveloped by a cloud when God the Father speaks. And in the Old Testament, we're told that God is hidden in the clouds. When Moses was there on the top of Mount Sinai getting the commandments, we're told this, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. The psalmist writes, clouds and thick darkness surround him. Now, going back to the transfiguration, what are we to make of this event? I would suggest that one of the things that comes through here, there is a weaving together of physical events and spiritual insights. For the three disciples of Jesus who are with him, they are given the gift of gaining spiritual insight as a result of this physical event. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul gives us some helpful ideas here to understand this. He makes a statement about how to have spiritual vision and how God lights up the darkness of our inner world. This is what Paul says. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God's light comes into our hearts when we come and see Jesus. So in this transfiguration, I think there are some key ideas that we as disciples can take away so we gain spiritual insight and light. And the first thing is that we need to realize is we need to listen. 
Jesus takes these three disciples with him up to the mountain for a time to get away. To get away from the hustle and the bustle of the ministry that they had been doing. To be a time of spiritual retreat, which as we considered last week, was something that Jesus regularly did. He would get away, but now he brings these disciples with him. And he wants them to experience a spiritual renewal. And while they're there, they see Jesus changed. They see Jesus the way God has always seen him. They see Jesus the way we will see him when he returns. They see Jesus in all of his divine glory. Consider what John would write decades later in the opening of his gospel. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And here it is. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. In the midst of this event, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah talking to each other. And remember, this is a physical event giving us spiritual insight. In this event, we see how Jesus is the logical point to which the law and the prophets of the Old Testament have been pointing. Jesus is the fulfillment of what God has been intending to do and has been revealing through the history of Israel. During this mountaintop experience, Peter is experiencing an unbelievable spiritual event, and he wants to hold on to it. He wants to continue to live in it up there on that mountain. So he becomes the chairman of the building committee, and he says, let's build some tents so we can stay here. That's when God gets their attention. Out of this cloud that has enveloped them, God says, listen to him, meaning Jesus. And actually, in the Greek, the meaning of the word is continue to listen to him. So here's one of the key points for disciples. We need to keep on listening to Jesus if we want to gain spiritual insight in our life. Second thing, we need to see. Mark tells us that they looked and they saw things happening around them. Jesus' appearance changes, and his eternal glory shines through. They see Moses and Elijah standing there. They see the cloud. And then it's back to just seeing Jesus. And the voice of God ringing in their ears, saying, listen to him. All that is left for these three disciples is to be focused on Jesus. Let me tell you a story. Man was going to go on a business trip out of town, so he was going to fly, and he was a nervous flyer, and what made matters worse is when he got to the airport, there was a storm going on, and he's waiting, and he sees one of those flight insurance machines. This is an old story. I don't know if any of you remember those flight insurance machines. I remember seeing them. $100,000 for every $3 that you purchase. So he bought $6 worth of insurance. So $200,000. In case the plane crashed, his wife would be taken care of. Because of the storm outside, the flight's delayed. And he decides he's going to go get something to eat. And he loved Chinese food. And he saw a Chinese restaurant sits down, relaxes, has a good meal. At the end, they bring his fortune cookie to him, and he opens it up, and it says, your recent investment will pay big dividends. <laughs> Caught a taxi, went straight home. He lost his focus. He let other things distract him. The storm, 
the insurance, the fortune cookie. Unfortunately, we do the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. God tells us to listen to him, to focus on him, but we allow other things to distract us. Work, family, school, politics, all of that gets in our way of our relationship with Jesus. It's not that they aren't important. They are important, but we need to make sure that they don't take our focus off of Jesus. We need to stay focused on Christ. Here's the third thing I would suggest we need to take away from the transfiguration, and that is our being transformed. Now remember, we're trying to consider these physical events and how we gain spiritual insight. So I want to go back and read that sentence that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The disciples on that mountaintop heard God telling them to listen and to keep on listening to Jesus. At the end of the whole event, all that they are left with is Jesus. He is the one that they needed to be focused on. So what was the transfiguration of Jesus? It was now becoming the transformation of the disciples. And not just Peter and James and John, but all of us who seek to follow Jesus. That transformation is not something that's going to be instantaneous. It does require time. It is an ongoing experience. It is a day-by-day effort. I mean, just look at these three disciples. They've seen Jesus transfigured. If it had been an instant transformation for them, James and John would not have come to Jesus a little later and said to him, we want to be your first and second in command when you come into power. If it had been an instant transformation, Peter would not have denied knowing Jesus when a servant girl questions him after Jesus' arrest. For us to gain spiritual insight, for us to come out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light, it takes some time and it takes some getting used to. Think about it when you walk into a dark room and someone turns on a bright light. Your eyes hurt, you can't focus. It takes time to get used to the light. It takes time for us to be transformed. But the physical event is there. It's metaphorical for our spiritual transformation. Our challenge is to keep on listening to the voice of God in Jesus. Our challenge is to keep our focus on Jesus and his ways and to allow God to work in us so that we can be transformed. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask if you would take the faith we sing, and we're going to sing, Shine, Jesus, Shine.
now go in the light of Christ, being transformed to be like him, to show his light and his love in the world around us. Go now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. been listening to the 10 a.m. service from the Avon United Methodist Church, located at 130 Genesee Street in the village of Avon. We hope that you have experienced the love of Jesus Christ during your time with us. We invite you to join us on the air weekly at 7.30 a.m. Sundays or in person at 10 a.m. Please visit us on the web at avonnyumc.org or call us at 226-8600. May God richly bless you.